Frank, I want to do something a little bit different for this week's podcast because it's been really an awesome, spectacular conference season, right? We had Google EO, we got the builds, we had the dub dubs, we had a bunch of other things in between there get announced and you know, new releases of .NET 8, previews, a bunch of good stuff. And I feel like we've been touching on some topics. We haven't been following up on those topics as things change and evolve. So I figure we may go back and just top kind of do like mini lightning ish topics. You know what I mean? Like maybe pick three or four top of mind things that were really on my mind and kind of go from there because you texted me earlier and you're like, I want to talk about this thing. And I was like, that justifies <laughs> 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Does that mean? <laughs> uh, you don't think I could talk about it for more than 10 minutes? I'm pretty sure I can talk about it for more than 10 minutes. I, I, I see that as a challenge now. We could, but we uh, specifically were talking about some new C Sharp 12 features and, you know, Mads and Dustin, which I then went and watched their build <laughs> the video because I haven't watched very many videos at all from any of these conferences, uh, some, but not as many as I'd like to. And it was a spectacular session. And, and I was like, oh, this is great. They had a great demo, better than I could ever do. And I was like, yeah, I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about some other things and kind of yeah. not tell you what the topics are either. So how do you feel about that? Uh, pretty good, except you said th three or four things off the top of your mind. I don't keep three or four things at the top of my mind. I keep like one, you know, that, that's enough. That's enough for my mind. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mentioned in an earlier episode that I did manage to watch one video. I've been a little bit terrible conference goer this season. I haven't been watching all the videos, but uh, Mads and Dustin talking about C Sharp. I love languages. I love talking about them on the podcast. So had to do that one. And they uh, had talked about a feature that we already talked about on the podcast, uh, primary constructors, I believe they're called. Is that, the, is that the right name, James? Primary constructors. Primary constructors, that is correct. Yes. Yeah, well, yes. We, we talked about those a bit, but then they surprised me, us, all of us, with a new feature that I didn't know they were working on. And it's super cool, and it's so early, they don't even have a beta of it or anything like that. Anyway, without further ado, it's collection literals. James, they are finally fixing the collection syntax. If you just want to declare a collection in your code from C Sharp 1, they're finally fixing it. You can now use square brackets instead of curly braces. It's a revolution. Square brackets over curly braces. I'm here for it. Are you here for it? I am here for it because when I was thinking about the feature, you know, I saw them demo, which was they had this great little small demo and I'll put a link to the video for everyone it was a student basically that had a name and ID and it had a, had an array of um, decimals, I guess at this point. Right. And they wanted to change it to a list and that became very complicated because they had array.empty. They were newing up a new array with the, the brackets and then the squiggles and putting stuff inside of it. A lot of things just weren't compatible and they had to change a bunch of stuff and actually lists. You can't even, you can't even do list.empty like doesn't exist. So you have to like new up a new list. And it was like, wow, what if you could just solve this Frank? And what if there was just a way for it to figure out what the thing should be? And now there kind of is right. <laughs> there, there totally is. And like, it, it's such a simple feature. Um, they're just making it so that you can declare uh, collections just like you would in as like JavaScript, uh, just using the square brackets and some commas between the items. And it's got more advanced features than that, but we won't get there. Um, but if you think about it, it's actually a really hard implementation because they have to support array, uh, array list. Remember array list? Remember that one? 
a list of tea. They got to figure out the tea in that list of tea. Or what if you have your own collection uh, class? Or what if you have an immutable one that needs to use the builder pattern? And where is that dot empty method? Who knows where dot empty is on any of these classes? So it's a it's a it's a gorgeous little syntax improvement. It's going to make mm-hmm. all the code a little bit shorter. But it's also really kind of cleaning up the house and making sure that all these collections are compatible in a way beyond just the good old ienumerable and ilist interfaces. I think that makes a lot of sense because when if you're new to ctarpin.net in general, you're just like, wow, there's so many like ways to make lists. Just like there's so many lists. There's like you only mentioned like five of them, but there's like five billion, right? There's like yeah. observables and there's like, like you Terrible. said, immutable and read onlys and this and that and the iron numerals, all this stuff, right? This really definitely trims it down. Now, the important part is someone still needs to define somewhere what the actual type of it is, right? Like, well, the demo, at least that's my understanding because they were passing in a list, Frank, of grade. Correct yes. of decimals. Yes. The 99.999% usage scenario is the compiler is smart. It figures out what type it needs to be, and it calls the most efficient by some, uh, hopefully they document all this stuff. It'll say it's going to call these methods on your collection if you support them in order to create that collection. But, but these are crazy C-sharp people, and they want to go one step further and do something crazy and support var x equals bracket bracket. Mm. Now what? Wow, what is this thing? Or I should really say like bracket zero one two three bracket. So there's no type there. It's a var. It can be any type. So it's a funny thing. I personally don't think they should even bother supporting that. Just pop up a compiler error. But they're crazy, and they're like, we're going to solve this. We're going to pick a type, and it's going to be the right type. And we're like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know how you're ever going to pick that type. But I, I love that they are committed to this feature getting in, it sounded like. Uh, there are a few stumbling blocks, like, what the heck do you do with a VAR? Yeah, uh, that is definitely something that's definitely tricky. I, I think that I think that the feature all up will help people kind of get into it and just say, hey, listen, there's a simplified way of defining lists of data, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. really what it is at the end of the day. Like, why do I need to care? Because, you know, so how often am I always like trying to figure out oh, how do I create a dictionary versus like a thing and like oh, this thing and like the, they've, it's improved, but they're all different. So I always kind of mess it up just in general. Yeah. And I mean, this is a fairy tale feature at the moment. It's not implemented, but they had to talk about other fairy tale additional parts of this feature that are super cool. So uh, if they're going to have the syntax, well, they might as well support uh, this concept of slicing or merging um, arrays or other collection types together so that you can kind of, you know, like if you're ever trying to like concatenate a bunch of arrays together or a bunch of lists together. Maybe they even have different data types. It's always a little bit awkward to figure out how to get them all together. The syntax also supports the dot, dot, dot syntax from good old pattern matching. And But instead of uh, breaking up a list, like in pattern matching, it's actually going to build up the list, which 
will be super cool. I've been using a lot of Python lately, and Python has that feature, and I really like it. And I'm really happy that uh, C Sharp will be probably maybe getting it. It's step two on a very long step one process. <laughs> I feel like they demoed that, that it was actually at least implemented and working. I thought that was neat because they had like, here's me defining my uh, me, my co- collection of of something of grades or whatnot of of mads's and then they did dot dot dustin dot maybe it was dot 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 dustin dot grades or whatever and just slice them all together and i thought that was really neat i was like yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me and you could jam those all together i think one thing they showed that did have all the squiggles definitely not implemented was like a how do you do like a key value like how do i do a string key or whatever like i thought was kind of neat like a dictionary like i have a dictionary yeah. of string grade right so it could be like biology or math or whatever and here's my grade for it that one they quite didn't have in there yet but also would make some sense because often when you're messing around with dictionaries even that syntax is a little funky you know what i mean because you're kind of doing a new dictionary and then you got the squiggles and then brackets and assigning it something and it's improved a bit but it's still a little funky I, I totally think they should support dictionaries, though. It, it's just natural. Th- those are the two natural data types in programming, lists of things and dictionaries of things. So I think it should be supported nicely. I do have to make a complaint for a feature that is super fairy tale. Um, they did choose square brackets for dictionaries, whereas dictionaries should obviously be curly braces in this case. <laughs> so now they've gone the wrong direction. We're using the wrong one. But I think the problem is C Sharp already just has curly braces for a million different things. And they just couldn't jam it into the syntax. But I'm gonna I'm gonna post at least one comment saying it'd be nice if these are curly braces and not square brackets for dictionaries. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. It it's super cool. Um I'm I'm also gonna post one last comment. I would like to be able to just put um link queries within the square brackets mm. and have it execute the link query and turn it into the correct collection type. Basically, I want like link query coercion, which would be mm. super, super nice. And well, I always have to like, I write this elegant link query and then I have to put these ugly parentheses around it and say like dot to array or dot to list. And I think it's ugly. Well, who's to say that this doesn't already work? Like where you're putting in a GPA, what if you jammed in a link query and then it just returns something and it just, and it, you could do dot dot and do the link query that returns whatever and it just jams it in, right? Who cares? That would be nice. Got to get my hands on the super pre-alpha <laughs> release and find out. That would be I, great. Even if it takes a, yeah, a dot, dot, dot or whatever. I do really believe that if one of the goals is just to remove the two list to array, to whatever <laughs> on link queries. Yeah. That's all I actually would want more than like, yeah, we, it, we should post that. <laughs> Just this yeah, needs to exactly. solve that problem. Solve this ongoing link query from the beginning of time because it is super duper annoying. I agree. Yeah. And then it, it, then it'd be nice because your declarations, you would just have the data type that you want there, the variable name equals, and you get used to just always starting your things with a bracket and it'd be yeah. nice, beautiful syntax. Anyway, it. so did I hit 10 minutes? Yeah, I got 10 minutes. Yeah. See, got, that, that's a good topic. Let's go on. I will link that video. It's definitely worth watching because there's a bunch of other goodies in there. I do have another topic, but before we go any further, let's thank our good friends over at SyncFusion, sponsor of this week's pod. Listen, we've been talking about SyncFusion for a long, long time. In fact, they were in the .NET expert area. Bill, I got to chat with all the amazing folks over at SyncFusion. They have the world's best UI component suite for building powerful web 
desktop, mobile apps, and so much more, no matter what you're building, whether it's on at Maui, Flutter, Xamarin, UWP, JavaScript, Blazor applications, Angular applications, React, you name it, they got it. They got file formatting, processing, and all this good stuff. So much amazing stuff that's built in. But they also have a new product that's really cool. Um, it has a full API, including .NET API too, which is called Bold Sign by Syncfusion. Basically think of it like this. Have you ever done like um, a PDF where you need to have people sign stuff? You need that to be like, you know, contract, you need to sign it. What if you could have e-signatures online with enterprise grade, basically integration into your applications and a full API so you can easily spin it up in seconds. You can do that with Bold Sign by Syncfusion. You can learn about all of these amazing products by going to syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict over there and check out all of their amazing UI components and their other things like bold sign, which is super duper cool because I've always wanted to figure out how to integrate these types of contracts into my applications because I use them all the time. Well, thanks Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod and on to the next topic, Frank. Uh, dropped well, a bunch of stuff if you heard that. How, how can I move on? You just reminded me of um, the vendor expo part of conferences. I, I miss that, James. I, I miss the expo part of a good conference. And boy, now they're getting into uh, services. What a crazy world we live in. How crazy. It was. It was cool because actually I build a bunch of the different like partners and sponsors were integrated into the expert area. So you're going around and it's like, it makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, like, there was like all these different amazing Syncfusion ones in the .NET. Oh, because they have all the .NET controls. That makes sense. It was really cool. So that was mm -hmm. that was neat. Um, all right. I do have something. I got some feedback, Frank. I got feedback. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, you're not making a good feedback face, but I'm going to assume uh, it's the best feedback I've ever heard in my life. Uh, people were like, wow, James, you're really negative on the Apple Vision Pro. Like wow, okay, wow, James! Look. Like really, really didn't see wow. that coming. You hate, you okay. hate, you hate the future, James. Okay, look, I I stopped myself from posting a tweet. So in your defense, I was about to tweet something, and it was going to go something like, "I'm having a hard time getting excited about the Apple Vision Pro." So, were 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 they saying you were negative on this podcast, or were you just being negative, Nelly, on the internet and oh. other places also? You know me, Frank. I don't post anything on the internet that isn't just Good. pure positivity, aka basically me just retweeting stuff from work, and that's about it. I don't post. Mm -hmm. I don't. I. I yeah. honestly don't use the social platforms for more than engaging with other listeners or folks that have questions or doing stuff. That's really like the healthy. platform there. Uh, many moons ago, I decided that I wasn't really going to be a vocally opinionated on the Twitters. I really haven't. It's very, very minimal. It was more about this podcast specifically in general. And they were kind of where you're allowed awe. to be negative. It's a safe place. We we create an environment and look, we're techno enthusiasts. You have to remember we're already at 90% excited. So when James is unexcited, he's still 90% excited because he still like toys, even if you're not going to buy it, you still like it. <laughs> but in our defense, I, I, I said, I, it's it's just not the device right now. I, I just don't feel a need for one. Yeah. $3,500. If it was $500, I might feel the need for it. <laughs> I've had a lot, a lot of conversations about, about in general. And, and I will say this. I am still not super crazy excited about the entire space. It's not actually about the Vision Pro at all. I'm just really not ex excited too much about AR, VR, or the MR at all, in my opinion. However, I have had many more conversations. And one thing that I did want to talk about on this podcast specifically with you is 
you have a game that's in 3D. It's called iCircuit 3D. Like, <laughs> and you've now had a week to settle in or so, or a few days at least. Like, have you been thinking like, hey, you know, maybe iCircuit 3D is like the perfect 3D application for a 3D virtual space. I don't create 3D things, Frank. I got out of that game when I got out of game development. All my things are flat and just have numbers on them. I mean, I guess mm -hmm. I could have a big, you know, you know, big number that's up here with just like your cadence. But still, I, I wanted to get your thoughts further on if you've been thinking about this. I have been thinking about it. Um, I, I, I think an Asteroids game would be much easier, but... Um, <laughs> So when I when I was building iCircuit 3D, of course I was thinking about AR because AR kit had already come out and I made a few design decisions a little early on that made AR hard, but I was able to backtrack a few of them and I was able to like jam it into an AR session. And I tried, I, I had my phone in front of my face and I had my finger in the real world and I was trying to do AR stuff. But it just wasn't a good experience. I could put the circuit mm. on your table. I could do that. That was within my skill set. But the interaction model was awkward. You had the phone in front of your face. You had your finger. Like I, I just didn't know how to interact with it. You interact with it on the phone, but then you're losing the ARness of it. So that's all to say, the Vision Pro, it could work there pretty well because if they support ARKit and a UIKit app, I'm pretty sure I could get it compiled over there. Might be a little tricky since I'm not sure if Microsoft is going to support it out of the gates really quick. So I'd have to see what's possible on that front. But I do believe that it could happen. The problem is I'm not sure if I want to spend $3,500 to find out if I can build an interaction model that's going to be any good for it. Plus, iCircuit does best with the student world and all of that. I'm not sure um, if it'll sell well on there. We don't know about the sales of these things. I guess we just don't know a lot of things, and maybe I shouldn't worry about them then. So all that's to say is I haven't decided, but I have been thinking about it. You know, I, I think when it comes to this, I've also gotten a lot of people ask me different questions if I'm interested in developing for and, and where I would go. And, you know, I think, I think at least to start, it is sort of very similar to how you start with anything VR, which is... I'm just going to see how things work in the simulator, right? Like mm -hmm. the emulator, whatever it is in that space in general. So out of the box, kind of run it, kind of yeah. play around with it, X, Y, Z, and kind of go from there. And then, you know, what Apple said was that they were actually going to invite developers to come in and test their apps. I don't know what that works, looks like, but I'm imagining that they really want some showcase applications on it for from the jump. And you saw a year on this. Yeah. Because you can't even buy it yet, right? So the real question is for you is at this point, they're not even going to let developers spend the $3,500, right? For who knows how long. Maybe they'll have dev kits. I do not know, right? But yeah. really, it's like if you started today, would you be able to like sign up? I guess would you have to fly down <laughs> to Cupertino or something and then actually like, I, or drive, you could drive well, to try it out. You know, as an option, does that intrigue you as a developer? So I've done it. Uh, this is actually what they did when the Apple Watch was released. Uh, there was the SDK was released first, no hardware. And then out of the blue, I got an email from Apple saying, hey, do you want to come down to Cupertino hmm. and play with some Apple Watches? And I had already written a few little apps for it. 
So I did that and I literally did drive. I had the Prius at the time and it had the uh, adaptive cruise control. So it was actually a really nice drive down the West Coast. And I got to hang out at Apple. Oh. Uh, went through crazy security and all that kind of stuff. They let like a bunch of us in a room, got to play with the Apple Watches, got to actually plug them in, try out all the apps on it. It was a lot slower than I thought. Like any lab session, we all spent the first three hours just trying to get software installed on it. So that was all fun. Would I do that again? So I, I was debating with myself. I think I I would sign up for the lab. Yeah. And if they did allow it, I would uh, probably go. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Like I said, last time it was just out of the blue. Um, it wasn't, there was no sign up process. I'm curious to see how they handle it this time. Uh, and they, I did get a developer version of the watch. And I honestly can't remember if I paid for it or they gave it to us for free. I don't think they're going to do the same for the Vision Pro, though. I do not believe so. I don't even know how the HoloLens works specifically for dev kits. I'd have to find someone from one of the advocacy teams that did that or some page online or someone knows right into the show merge conflict.fm or hit us up on Twitter. If you did like try to get a dev kit early or like how that worked, I'm not really positive. Uh, I think that I'm in the boat of you. Like I definitely think it'd be really cool to try out some applications, do some stuff. Uh, if I had any, I would like to be your um, like co-developer, if they do invite you down, then I can just tag along like, Oh, I got to bring James because oh. he's a co-developer. You know what I mean? Like, he's a team member. Just saying. I can't remember if there was a plus one on the invite last time. It was <laughs> years ago now. <laughs> please, please. If so, I will, I'll pay, pay. I'll split, I'll split the trip. There we go. All right. Sounds I'll expense good. it for business related <laughs> activities. Podcast. By the way, you can join the Patreon at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Merge Conflict FM. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. This is good to know. I'm, I've been thinking about it because I was re-watching some of the videos with uh, my friend who was coming up and driving during the event, so he didn't get to watch it. And they did have like, you know, things talking about education. But you're right. It's like, unless they really subsidize this in some way or get into schools, like, like I don't know if that education is going to jump off that way. But I do think circuit 3D would probably be pretty cool. So it, it would definitely be an awesome looking and fun app to have on there. Like yeah. as, as long as like you could keep like the virtual table pretty still in front of you and things like that. I think it could be a really fun environment. I could guess I could make the circuit float in front of you also, whatever. But I, I think of it as on a table would be most interesting. It'd be a great demo. I think, you know, I, I keep saying I'm not going to buy it, but it's still kind of 50-50 in my head. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if I, um, well, like you said, you get it running in the simulator first. If it's any good there, then you got to really make the decision. Now, talking about software, that would be very interesting to try out. Uh, you did, I'm not really sure I'm, if I'm supposed to talk about this because I don't know what our developer contract actually says. So I'm not going to say too much about it. However, that being said, uh, we were trying to figure out a new date for our recording of said podcast, the one that we're recording right now. And I had to text you and say, sorry, Frank, I can't reschedule because I decided to upgrade my phone to iOS 17 and the calendar app keeps crashing on me when I try to change the event. So I can't do it. <laughs> sorry, I had to delete it. So I had to create a new one in general. And you're like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, hold off. And I think I also upgraded to iOS 16 right away. And like everything they say 
it's early software and you should not install it on your main phone. So what do I do is I install it directly on my main phone. And, you know, the first few days were a little rough, but I feel like it's kind of coming around as far as some of the features. But it is uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say much about it, but it is early. It is early days. And I will just leave it at that because news flash <laughs> news flash. I've been definitely doing all of the iOS 16 betas and they're completely fine. You know, as after the initial release, but yeah, it's definitely early days uh, that it's feeling early. So if you're a normal wow. consumer, it's a reason it's a dev build. So I'm going to translate everything. This is this is without much knowledge. Um, I think by early, he means his battery life isn't good and things crash and he can't do calendar. Why calendars? Calendars. Why are they changing calendars? Uh, remember when they would change like iCloud syncing between versions? Those were the really rough iOS updates. But I guess what you're describing is roughly normal. Um, it's doing a lot of logging, <laughs> a lot of logs, <laughs> logs going everywhere. <laughs> it's doing a lot of not caching, a lot of caches turned off. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's I I think like saying comparing it to the ios 16 betas that's nothing obviously all the big terrible changes go in between the big point the big major releases so yeah i wouldn't judge i don't know i just don't do it anymore beta 2 beta 3 i'll hop on i'm on i'm all on board they have made the onboarding experience much easier though like in the settings for updates you can just easily toggle on so much better thank you apple for making that much joys. I haven't looked at the watch. I do need to get a new watch. I'm going to wait for the Apple event this fall. That is for sure. How about uh, X codes? No Vision Pro SDKs, right? In the X code, as far as I know. I haven't seen anything yet now. Yeah. So we're all just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> at least they correct. announced it. <laughs> yes. All right. I got one last one, at least. I put out a video about this, and I think that it's worth talking about because it's a great developer productivity tool. I about a month or two ago, I talked about something called dev tunnels. You remember dev tunnels, Frank? They talk about dev no, tunnels. Not at all. Not okay. at all. What, what's a dev tunnel, James? Okay. Dev tunnels was like my new one of my new favorite features in Visual Studio um, on, on Windows. And it's in a whole new area. And we have two things to talk about, too. Other things that are new areas, too, actually. <laughs> but the first one is dev tunnels. So dev tunnels is really cool. Imagine you're uh, debugging a web API or a local website. And it's running on localhost, Frank. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want to like share that with me. You're like, oh, I want to like I'm pair programming with you. You're in the Ooh. office, and I want to like share that with you. Ooh, uh, maybe I'm I guess we do naughty, on. naughty internet things are are about to happen here. <laughs> Death tunnel proxy. I see what's happening. Okay, so, I like it. So so let's say like you know I want to share with you, but I want to like publish it or I don't want to do anything. You don't want to. Oh, I don't want to share no. screens or something like that. That's one scenario. Other scenario is. Let's say I'm just debugging uh, on an a- iOS device or Android device or an emulator. Uh, you can't really talk to a local host because it's not how it works, right, at all. So you need to. I've tried. I, I've tried the <laughs> nastiest network setups you've ever seen to try to get that to work. Nope, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, um, what if you could take that local host and you could put it online and you could tunnel your way from the internet down into your machine, Frank. It's it, There's many products that do this, by the way. But imagine if it was just as easy as debug. Well, 
Just right click yeah. debug, create a new dev talent. You can make it public, you can make it private, you can make it authenticated, unauthenticated, whatever you want. And it just is there all the time. Wouldn't that be great, Frank? Uh, I say yes. And I want to know how much I'm about to spend on bandwidth because I can shove a lot of things through a tunnel. I would find such a tunnel very useful. <laughs> well, Frank, what if I told you that while that feature was included and is included in Visual Studio 2022, all the additions, what if now it broke away from just Visual Studio? And what if, Frank, it was a command line tool called DevTunnel CLI and you could do this from Mac, Windows or PC? Or okay, Linux. that is a bit crazy. Okay, yes. I like it. I still want to know who's paying for the bandwidth here, but I love it. Uh, I, I wonder if it's tricky. Does it always use a proxy? I'm just guessing at implementations, people, because uh, this is, I mean, we deal with this all the time as developers, trying to get one machine to talk to another. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty excited. Curious to see what kind of bills I can rack up with it. <laughs> well, I don't think there is any bills because it doesn't cost anything. So. Magic. <laughs> Magic. Yes, I did a video on this. I'll talk about it. But I think it's something that just to kind of talk about, right? This is great when you're debugging even webhooks or something like that. Um, it is really, really nice. At least right now it's in preview. So at least it's there's 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 no SLA on it. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know what features would, would be on there. But as far as I know, everything that's in there right now is just included out of the box. Um, you can set up uh, ports with IPs. You can make them persistent. Um, yeah, it's just all it's, it's just the relay service. It does everything. It, it handles it all for you automatically and gives you a cool URL on the internet. Yeah, I, I was looking at the cool URL on the internet, so that that's a little bit funny. It actually generates a random URL uh, mm -hmm. to represent you on the internet. So I guess that's the easiest way to share. Boy, I, I have at least three local servers running right now. Port eighty 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 five four four thousand. So uh, I, sh I should be tunneling all these puppies on over to you. Yeah. This is great. I Do love it. this. This is a great little tool. All right. Last one for you. Now, and, and what you'll get your hands on, you'll let me know how that goes, is if you follow the news this week or last week, I should say, uh, there's some new enhancements coming to VS Code. Do you hear about this? Do you hear about the news for C-sharp developers? Bah, 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 bah. Is it all AI? I, I need AI. I, I need AI chat. I was trying to get the GitHub Copilot chat to install and I cannot get that stupid extension to work. Everyone oh. write to me on Twitter and tell me how to do it. Anyway, what it were in, you saying? I have it in VS proper, but I don't have it in VS code. Maybe I do have it in VS code, but no, it is the C sharp dev kit. There's many things that happen in the world of C sharp for VS code, specifically three things, Frank. First, I want to start off with this is there was this thing called C sharp dev kit, but I don't want to go there yet because this is the second layer. The first layer, okay. Frank is that the C-sharp extension, you know the C-sharp extension inside of VS Code? That was, I live it and breathe it. it. I, I, I use it all the days, every day. What if I told you it was previously powered by OmniSharp? But what if I told you now, it is now powered by a fully, a new fully open LSP, language service protocol hosting. They've enhanced the performance, extensibility, and the overall entire experience with it and kind of built it from the ground up that you can use sort of anywhere. And that's just updated and ready to go. I would say I'm super afraid because I hate change. But at the same time, I'm super excited because it's nice to just make it an internal tool. I mean, it was it was weird that the extension was using um, an open source project. Great job, open source project. But um, yeah, I mean, Microsoft writes VS Code. Microsoft writes the C Sharp compiler. 
makes a little bit of sense for them to write the language server. So kind of, kind of just good to see that uh, uh, they're taking the responsibility for it. I'm a little bit nervous though, already I've, I, I have like 85% luck with VS code opening my projects. I, I'm hoping this one's able to handle my crazy rat's nest of projects and solutions. So this one, if you just go and flip the bits to the pre-release, it's there. You can go back to the OmniShark version as well. There's a setting to do that. But this one fully integrates, you know, Roslyn and Razor to give you the rich type information, a whole bunch of other stuff too. So lots of nice features there. Um, refactoring, code navigation, code completions, Roslyn power, semantic awareness, all sorts of good stuff, right? So it's all available. You can flip it back. All open source, no license change, all as it was, just new goodness from the ground up. So everyone that's been using that you're good to go. But Frank, there is something else on top One more of it. thing. One more okay. thing. Two more things, actually. Oh. One is the C Sharp Dev Kit extension. Now, this C Sharp Dev Kit extension builds on top of the C Sharp and includes the C Sharp extension and another extension, too, that I'll talk about. But it includes a whole bunch of great fundamental things that C Sharp developers are used to inside of Visual from Visual Studio and Visual Studio for Mac inside of VS Code. For example, solution Wait. management. Uh, I was going to guess, I was going to say, is there a solution explorer? Because that's everything. Yes. That's 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 what a .NET person wants. We have solution files and project files. I need a thing to let me edit solution files and project files. I know, I, I know there was an F-sharp one that could do it also, but thank you yes. for finally allowing me to edit and look at solution and project files. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, so it has solution. It has a native test explorer built right in. It also That's has nice. templates. So you can just create and it has template integration. So you can create, you can add new projects to existing solutions. So you can just spin them up right inside of it, which is very nice. You don't have to go down to the command line if you don't want to. Um, it'll help you do test discovery and debugging and does a bunch of other stuff as well, which is really, really cool. Okay, this is great. Thank you for telling me because I'm going to install it the moment we stop chatting here because I've needed all these features for a while. I'm going to yes. say hashtag finally, finally. But okay, thank you. Thank you for uh, making this. And now, I know the, I and I did some of these. Yeah, for F Sharp, yeah. Yeah. Now, on top of that, there is also IntelliCode for the C Sharp Dev Kit. So when you install the C Sharp Dev Kit, it's going to upgrade your C Sharp extension and additionally give you IntelliCode for C-Sharp DevKit, which is going to give you AI-powered start and whole line completions, one of my favorite things in the entire world. Um, that's optional. You don't need to install it, but you now get IntelliCode inside of VS Code for C-Sharp, which is awesome. I think I'm a co-pilot person, but that's only because I haven't had access to IntelliCode for the last years when everyone else has had access to it. Um, we'll see. I might A-B test them, but... For now, I'm going to stay strong as a co-pilot person, I think. Now, I will tell you this much because a lot of people have questions. So this is me like clarifying and doing a podcast, but I'm very excited about this because I've known about it for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, C-Sharp DevKit and the IntelliCode for C-Sharp DevKit. Those are closed sources. And so it's closed source, those two. Not the C-Sharp extension. That one's open source. Still is. No license changes. MIT licensing. All that good stuff. <laughs> the C-Sharp DevKit stuff specifically and the IntelliCode for C-Sharp DevKit are closed source. And they're licensed under the Visual Studio subscription, which means you sign in with your Visual Studio uh, subscription, including Community Edition, which is free. If you make under a million dollars, you can sign on in. Good to go. If you already have VS, it'll give you all that good stuff as well. So there's you two bits. You got to give them an email address, basically. <laughs> yeah, got to sign in. So those are the two things, but including Community Edition. So 
if you that's great are, are good there you're good to go um but again the c sharp extension built sort of from the ground up there with the lsp stuff which is really cool so that's you what know, I, I got i want to complain about having to be uh signed in but it seems like every extension i've added to vs code makes me sign in now so it's just like yeah yeah everyone sign in when are we going to get single sign on for the internet <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I don't think actually you can sign into VS Code, but only to sync your settings and your right. extensions across. Um, but it's I don't know if subscription that's, status. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, know if like that's used to like auto login. Like what I would like is and, like yeah, give give me an optional login that can then log into my extensions. That'd be yeah. Because cool. I'm logged into GitHub. I'm logged into GitHub Copilot. I'm logged into Azure. There's an Azure browser thing, or you can get. Mm-hmm. You know, you just logged into all this stuff. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. It's just one more. <laughs> That's all I got, Frank. I just have some news. There was a lot of news that, that, that are... happened after build. So so many things happened this week, Frank, and last week and the whole month before that. Well, I have to say I was most excited about the thing I discussed. Um, I, I think the collection literals are just going to be the greatest thing ever. But I love your productivity tips, especially th- these are good. The Tanor, we we should do more shows which are just uh, tips and tricks and tools. I don't know. We should try one of those. This that's what kind of what this episode was. If it wasn't for me just talking about the Vision Pro for like ten minutes for some odd reason, <laughs> complaining. Uh, but, yeah, whatever. It's good. People like it. Updates. Um, all right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this week's Merge Conflict. If there's other things you want us to talk about or discuss, hit us up at mergeconflict.fm. Uh, or hit us up on Twitter as well. You can find all that information at MergeConflict.fm. But until next time, this has been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montmagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for watching and listening. Peace. Peace.